One day we'll get an intro for this show again. We had it in the first few episodes, and then Will was supposed to contract with a guy and have an intro created. And we'll ask we'll, we'll ask Will next time we see him or hear. From I have him. a guy. Do you, do you want me to get my guy? Well, Will's guy. We could was... use the intro to my old show if you want to do that. I mean, it wouldn't really make sense, but we could use it. Now we'll probably get some <laughs> copyright violation there. But Will, I... Will had a guy and. Uh, I've actually talked to an old friend of mine who has a band and a couple of albums out that you've maybe you've heard of. I don't know. I'd send a copyright violation to myself. <laughs> Is that what you're saying I'd do? Yep. Okay. That doesn't sound like me. I, I Honestly, I wouldn't have enough bandwidth in my brain to remember to send the copyright violation to myself. And if I did, I probably wouldn't remember to respond so we'd be fine, but we'd have to change the name of the show, which you don't want to do. So, all right, what are we talking about this week, John? I don't want to take over as host. This, that's your job. I get to sit back and just be witty. I, I was looking at the uh, uh, well, sine waves from last week's show, and you actually talked just about as much as me last week. It was nice to see a 50-50 division oh, well. a- and a lot of banter back and forth. Uh, Isn't that what uh, you're supposed to do? I think that I think so. Like when Derek and I do this show together, we very we're very academic. Uh, academic. Are, and, are you? <laughs> and, and we have these long, you know, ten minute dialogue. Not, I know. I guess it's not dialogue. Monologues. We're academic. We can't spell or say the word, but we're academic. Oh, I'm playing with an idea for uh, the the name of uh, something. And trying to play it Italian, and I have trouble with words sometimes. I think we discussed that last week with my Acura and things like that. And I want a club automo—see, I can't do it right now. I can't do it on demand, and how can I name something that if I can't name it, (laughs) if I can't just do it Type it out, and I'll pronounce it for you. Club auto to (laughs) see I can't do that. Club, Club something? Yeah, club something. Club Automobilista? Club... Uh, let's see here. Club what? Club Med? Club... Yeah, Club Med. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. I don't want to say Baby Seal after Club. That could get us in trouble. <laughs> That's a demonetization thing, I think, probably. Uh, well, we would have to monetize. And that would <laughs> really, only to... be our YouTube channel. And we do appreciate the few listeners we do have over on YouTube. We have to monetize to be demonetized? Yep. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and monetize. As of right now, I can I, I basically declare us monetized. Let's go buy Porsches. <laughs> Does it not work there, that way? Well, there was some Porsche news recently, wasn't there? Or was that, am I thinking back to Geneva and the Turbo S? And Don't even talk to me about the Turbo S. It doesn't have a turbo. I don't even want to hear it. Or are you talking about the no, actual Turbo I'm S? I'm talking about the Turbo S. That ha- that That's the name of the damn car. The real one. Well, they put Turbo S on everything. On, on the Taycan. I would have said the Taycan Turbo S. The one without the turbo. Yeah. With the or only Porsche the in the line that doesn't come with the turbo. All Porsches come with a turbo except the Taycans, which are both respectively named turbo. But the S adds like 5 billion horsepower. 
as soon as they put the S on there, it has enough torque to reverse the Earth's rotation, which is not a bad thing. I was talking to a gentleman about that today. He wandered in, and we were talking. He was looking at the viability. Of, he wants to buy a, Mo, a Tesla Model S and was inquiring about serviceability and where do you get the cars worked on, things like that. And a uh, re- really interesting conversation with him, I'll say. Um, and he actually was a retired vice president of a um, um, automobile-type company. So I have actually tried to find a place to test drive a Model S and a Model 3. And the only place I can find is every once in a while you can do test drives in Huntsville, I guess. But there's nothing local in Birmingham, Alabama. There's nothing. Uh, you just have to reach out to Tesla and prove that I think you can buy one. Or swing by one of the three or four dealers that have them used on their lots right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could do that, but I didn't really. T- I, I didn't want to test drive a used one. I wanted to test drive... I really want to test drive a new Model 3. I'm just curious. It's not like I'm not in the immediate market for anything. With 400 miles of range, which I don't know whether the Model 3 can actually extend to, but even 350 miles of range, it may be a viable vehicle for me living out in the country now. I don't know. I think you can get 300 and depending on you how you hyper mile 350 uh one of the shows i was listening to just recently they were talking about their experiences and tesla commonly will overestimate their saying their mileage but people that are um driving i guess journalists that have had the tycon and um I'm trying to think of the other car they were talking about. But a lot of these other companies, Porsche says 300 miles and people are getting 375 miles or so out of their cars. They're underestimating. It's kind of like the horsepower wars. Right. I mean, are they running them until they're literally dead, dead? Or or is that, is it like an RC car that you run it down to like 20% battery life still left? So you don't ever, the battery never learns what, it's true bottom is kind of thing. Cause I know if you do that with like a regular lipo, it won't like, if you run it down to zero with an RC car, then the battery, when you go to charge it again, won't charge all the way back up to hundred percent capacity. So I don't, I don't know whether the new electric, the, the new EVs, I don't know whether they 100% discharge or not. I really don't. I've never, as much as I've talked about them, so they'll I've get, they'll get down to a point where they'll stop functioning, but I don't think it's I don't think the battery's totally depleted. Right. They, it's there's a cutoff. That's like an RC car it has a built in cutoff in the speed controller where it, you set a percentage to chop it. Which would mean is there it, a hack that allows you to <laughs> get that last five percent out of it or there, whatever? There probably is, but you'd never want to do that considering and, the expense and, of those battery packs. And Tesla supposedly as the closer you get to zero on the charge, starts a battery conservation program that will slow down your acceleration, et cetera. Because one of the things I've I've heard in the media is the Taycan, 
uh, you know, the Turbo S or whatever will give you 100% Whenever power no matter what the battery charge yep. is. If you've got yep. 1% left on the battery and you want to go to 100 miles an hour as fast as you can and then walk back to the start line, <laughs> <laughs> it'll let you do that. <laughs> and then walk home. And I also um, know that when you get into an electric vehicle and it's one of the challenges of traveling with them is you pull into your Tesla supercharger station, you plug in, and it gets to 80%, you know, in 40 or 60 minutes. That last 20% will take you another 40 or 60 minutes because it slows down as it gets up to the top. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like prepaying cash at the pump and then, you know, you put $20 in and about 18.50, the pump slows down to about a penny a second and it takes forever to get that last buck 50. It's so they don't give you $20 and 2 cents worth of fuel because yeah. they there's no way they could survive if they did that. Yeah. Here we go. Club where, where are we, what are you looking at? Here we go what? You talk through it. Club automobilistico. What am I listening for? Club automobilistico. All I hear is my cat meowing in the background. Oh, what I, am I, I've got Google talking. Maybe it's not coming through on your end. It's not, it's not coming through at all. What's Google saying? Oh, Google was saying club auto... To, uh, see, I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> club automobilistico, whatever. What in the world? Well, the listeners yeah, now know what I'm talking about. You'll have no, to they listen don't. to the Yeah, they do. <laughs> no one has any idea. You're the only one that knows, and you can't say what you want to call something. Yep. I can, do, awesome. I can do it in the shower all day long. I can do it in my office all day long, but I know the moment I want to say it to somebody, I'll screw it up. I've watched this dude sit and hand-form aluminum body panels and just... Make beautiful things, and he can't pronounce a single word that he came up with. <laughs> well, it's Italian. The Italians came up with it first. Your last name's Viviani. Yeah, but I never took the time to spend with my great-grandmother and learn Italian like I should have. Oh, terrible grandchild. Uh, horrible person you are. I'm going to say, and I'm going to jump, uh, speaking of atrocious things that happen in the world, like Italians not being able to speak Italian... You're not going to jump all the way to Ford right now, are you? Yeah. Are we going to talk about what we did last week? Because I have something really cool. I want no, to I was going to jump right to Ford because we can go back to what we did last week. Let's change okay. up the show a little bit. Okay. And, and Ford okay. did that. I can't. I'm an Italian who can't speak Italian. Ford seems to be a company that has got it right so many times with retro design, except maybe the Thunderbird. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, the Thunderbird. The, mm. uh, Thunderbird was quite. I, I, I don't understand this new Jeep that they're producing. <laughs> the, the new, you know, new the, the 2021 Wrangler, Ford Jeep, the Ford Wrangler Mansion. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean it's kind of cool, but is it? It's well, I don't know because I at least can take the doors off my Jeep. No, I mean, you might does... be able to do that to the to the the new Bronco, but uh, we haven't seen those spy photos yet. Looking at spy photos right now on RNT and. I'm so not impressed. <laughs> I mean, it says Bronco on the front like the, the Gen 1 cars. It's got the round headlights like the Gen 1 cars. And then we It get, even has the like the the bulges at the top of the fenders like the Gen 1s. Yeah. Like the I mean that but from the from the headlights to the back of the fenders it looks okay. <laughs> I, I know, I'll go the headlights and the hood. 
are reminiscent well, of a Bronco. That's what I'm saying. From the, the headlights to the back of the fenders and the winds in the bottom the, of the, the wheel screen. wells are nothing more than a wide body charger. Keeping eh, it in the kinda. Fiat FCA, FCA thing. I mean, they bolted plastic fender flares on it. That's what that's what makes yeah. a wide body charger. <laughs> uh, the windshield looks very Jeep. The top line the looks very looks Jeep. Like it should fold down like a Jeep. It should, but uh, I think the original Broncos, the windshield fo- would have fold down. But where yeah. the mirrors are placed on this, I would doubt this windshield folds. Uh, it's it's a four door Wrangler with a removable top. If you're uh, looking at the soft top pictured one, uh, there is a two door version, which would be like the two door Wrangler Unlimited or whatever. I'm not even sure what the names are. And the hard top looks like a Jeep hard top, and from the back, it looks like a Jeep hard top. And I mean. I'm not sure. Let's go back. I don't think you were on the Tesla Cybertruck episode. Speaking of which, they're talking about building a or putting a Tesla plant. I read in Nashville to build the Cybertruck. Maybe okay. we'll get to that. Yeah, Elon might have drawn the Cybertruck in third grade. We'll go with that. Me, he drew the truck in third grade. We all drew the Cybertruck in third grade. At least we drew the thing. This is like the Ford designers handing in a picture of the Jeep. <laughs> they traced a Jeep. <laughs> I would literally rather have a Cybertruck than this Bronco. I think there's more. There's there's at least something to talk about with the Cybertruck, whether it's good or bad. There's really nothing that I'm seeing that's that's good to talk about. Like if if I followed my mother's advice and all mother's advice. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. We would literally not be talking about this right now. And, and that, that's why Will and Derek aren't joining us tonight. <laughs> is that really? That's, no. They're listening no, to their mom. But we're going to go with that assumption. that It's literally, it's, it is boxier than a Volvo. It is devoid of style in all ways. Like, it looks like it should be about an $8,000 vehicle. It's not, it's terrible. I, and I don't know that I've ever said that about anything Ford's built, except maybe the that uh, abomination explorer truck thing. What was that thing? The oh. something track. The all track. Cross all track. I yeah. think it was called. And the then all-track. they had the the SRT or not SRT the uh, SVT version that was some. I don't know what they called it. I see. I actually um, looked at buying one of those new. There's one of our disagreements. Oh. I I, I kind of oh. like the idea of the four foot bed and things like oh. that. Like, what are you going to put in that bed? Wait, seriously, what are you going to put in that bed? Like a bag of ice? No, you fold the, you, it gives you the ability to put the tailgate down. So then you've got about five and a half feet of bed. And I could get away with putting a piece of plywood or something in there. Two bags of ice. <laughs> 20 pound bag. Two 20 pound bags. You could of put ice. a refrigerator in there and stand it up because we all should stand up our refrigerators. And of course. What are you? useless thing that was oh i I think it was an oven when i lived in kansas and i had my dodge ram we bought an oven and loaded it into the back of the truck and took off down the interstate and we had it up against the cab and it blew over onto the front of it yeah i guess in that the four oh my god i was going what we didn't break the the window in it at least okay so you could you could pull the soft top out off the bronco maybe if the seats fold down in the rear, you could sit your oven back there. Kind of like, you know, your your short truck bed. So there's a selling point for you. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's a selling point there. I'm looking for selling points for you. because What I, mean, what I, I really want to know is what the price of the thing is. Because $8, one of the reasons I, I don't have a Wrangler 
is they're too expensive. <laughs> For the 50-year-old tech that they are? Yes. I mean, it's very... But at least when you're buying a Wrangler, you're buying that tradition. I'm not sure what you're buying here. Um, well, you know, like Wrangler, Wrangler people, Jeep people know that they're buying old tech with like a couple new things done to it. They, they, know, they know what they're buying into. They're paying that premium just because they want a Jeep. And if Jeeps are your thing, cool, have at it. But and like I, you said, this Bronco is literally, it's, what does it harken back to? Unfortunately, I bet it, it will sell well. Um, I don't know if it'll be Toyota FJ retro sell well, where not. the damn things sell for as much now as they did when they were new. <laughs> yeah, I like I'm the FJ. About, yeah. I actually like the FJ. I drove one once, way too many blind spots in it. And it does, just, yeah, you can't see out of it, but I thought it was comfortable. And the I, mean, they're, 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 I enjoy looking at it. They're gorgeous yeah. trucks from the outside. Yeah, and Natasha brought one home as a company car. for. We had it for a week or so, and I love driving that thing. I, I thought it was cool. Um, that actually felt retro, though. That actually felt retro with enough modern flair and tech in it that I was happy driving it. Yeah. This Bronco, I, it looks I'm, so bland, dude. I'm going to go with my initial statement on the Bronco. I don't like the direction Ford's going. Uh We'll see as things move along and press gets into the interior and starts talking about performance, et cetera. But right now, nope, don't like it. Um, did you do did you, you remember the uh, the commercials that came out? It's probably a decade ago now. They were satire commercials, and it was a beige car, and the tagline was mediocrity. And they were like, it was interviews with all of these product experts talking about, we took everything exciting about an automobile and threw that out. And we just gave you a car. That kind of looks like what Ford did with the Bronco. They took everything that could have possibly been exciting and making us want to actually go to a showroom and go, oh my God, they finally brought back the 60s Bronco. And threw that out the window and gave us literally a box with four wheels. It was, I just Googled it. I will put this on the Facebook page today. So if you're listening to this podcast in a few few days when it releases, go back a couple days on our Facebook page. Uh, looks like it was actually 100 and, 143, a minute 43 uh, spot by Subaru and Looks the like, mediocrity ones? Yep, 2010. Oh God, there, no, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of them. There's like yeah. five or six of them all there. Well, oh, I geez. think you do the minute 43, you might get them all. I would play them, but you can't hear them on your end, so that would be <laughs> you sitting there for a minute 43 in silence going, what the hell is he doing? They're wonderful. They're, one, they're, they're absolutely wonderful, and that is totally what this Bronco reminds me of. It just needs to be beige. And that the the render well not the render the uh, the spy photo I'm looking at is the black one, uh huh. And sure it's black, but I must be colorblind because it looks beige to me. It's just it's, I have never slagged off Ford that bad in my entire life. Well, there's a little you know I'm looking at the roadandtrack.com um, spy photos are reporting on this and they have a question at the very end of the article. Are you a fan of the Broncos design? I clicked it. Uh, it's yes, I love it. I want one, and nah, I'd rather have a Wrangler. 
Can you guess what the percentages are? Um, 20% yes, 80% nah. Uh, you almost got it right on the nose. Backwards. You're kidding. <laughs> 84% yes and 16% nah. Oh, my God. I just clicked on it, too. Why? <laughs> Probably because the only people that are dumb enough to click through and look at this and analyze it and read all the way to the end are podcasters and friends or fans of the uh, the Bronco. <laughs> or they want to be invited out to Ford's next What's New event up in Detroit as as like media influencers, whereas clearly we don't care. Um, I don't get it, man. I literally, I'm wondering. If it has the the four liter out of the Cherokee in it, <laughs> is it is it a is it a Pentastar? Is it is it just running Jeep running gear underneath it? They might as well have just contracted with FCA and put that body on a on a Wrangler chassis and rolled on. And I scroll down a little bit, and there's a one of the there's a headline: everything we know about the new Bronco. And this is before it was released and put out to the public are these spy photos. And that truck I like. I mean, it's yeah. full size. The fender flares are integrated into the sheet metal. Fans of the podcast know that I absolutely hate these damn bolt-on rubber wide body things. But... That would have been a cool truck. That would have been a cooler truck anyway. Like, I would rather the thing, I would rather the new one look like a what was it, early to mid-90s Eddie Bauer, full-size Bronco? Oh, the OJ cars. I'd have rather had that. Well, I'd have rather had that than this absolutely piss-poor attempt at a, at a retro vehicle. It just doesn't work, man. So what'd you do this week? I'm, I'm done <laughs> kicking <laughs> on the Bronco. You're done I'm, beating on the Bronco? Yeah, I'm, I'm closing the tab. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. We're, we're done. We're moving on. Thank God, because I was getting into a very negative headspace. You're welcome. Um, yeah. So I went out to Barber over the weekend and, and hung out with some friends that were racing in the World Racing League. And shout out to the... The Will to Win crew, they were out there with four GT4 Club Sport Caymans. Um, the the full name for the cars that they were racing are like GT4 Club Sport Manti Edition Evo Cayman, which is insane. Like, there's no reason that you'd have to go on that long, but they are beautiful little race cars. You and see for, uh, Porsche charges by the letter when they produce <laughs> the name badges on the back? <laughs> They're like, if we add another... 10 letters, we can charge another $85,000. Somewhere I've got a picture of a, por- a Porsche label. It's 911 Turbo Targa Carrera something. It's, it's literally two lines of <laughs> I'll Duck. have to try to dig that up, but I'm going Tail. Yeah, And there is actually a reason you order the Targa with the Turbo etc. because it's the only way I think you can get a certain transmission or a certain option it's the only way you can get that and i'm not talking about the targa option there's some performance option but the only way you can outfit it is to get it in the targa in that concoction so i have 
absolutely no idea. And I used to be a Porsche product expert. I have no clue. Um, it's that's a previous life. It's so far gone now that I've forgotten all of that stuff. Yeah, you're, um, you're an alpha guy with those Italian cars that I can't pronounce the names of. No, you you can pronounce the name of my car. You just can't pronounce the name that you made up. Your Julia. Uh, my Julia. <laughs> my Alpha. My Alpha Romeo, or, or Alpha Romero. Oh, that just that's a dagger in my heart every time I hear it called that. Alpha Romero. There's no R. Where are you even getting that from? The the famous Shakespeare play. Yeah. Romero, 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 wherefore art thou? Romero and Julieta. And Julieta. <laughs> nice. All right, so I was at at Barber. I was hanging out. They were racing. Uh, World Racing League was out there. Had a bunch of friends out there racing and uh, having a good time. And another friend who I will not name um, because he asked me not to name him when I was doing the uh, the video for uh, for my other social channel, which if John will let me, I'll share it over on No Driving Gloves as well if y'all want to check it out, if, he, if he'll let me pop it up there. Um, he shows up in his, his 720S McLaren. And Grayson, yeah, I didn't realize he had one of those. I saw that on social media, and I go, "No, I didn't realize he got one of those." Yeah, he won it. Um, That's how he got it. He won it through a maze. I, so, if, if you have to fill me in on the story, uh, yeah, I mean, if, I don't want to go ever, too far into it, but if you've ever seen a maze on Facebook, um, any of those those giveaways that they have for. You know, whatever supercar, hypercar, uh, celebrity giveaways—they they just they give away all kinds of different stuff, and it's all they do all this stuff. Um, they basically have a, a limited buy-in raffle for each of the items that they're giving away, and the the proceeds after whatever they they—I don't know how they do it, but I know that they give a lot of money to charity and some really good charities. And from what I have heard, those charities are actually getting the money that they are promised from Omaze. And I was present when this particular McLaren 720S was delivered to this gentleman. And it was one of the coolest things that I have ever been a part of in my entire life. And just knowing that, I mean, he literally, I, I think don't, don't quote me on this, but I think it was, it was, Less than a hundred dollars that he put in and won a three hundred plus thousand dollar vehicle. Um, and on Sunday, he was kind enough to let me take it for a drive. And I have not been in a McLaren, modern McLaren, since the MP412C. Um, and going from the MP412C to the 720S. Lots of improvement has been made over those years. Um, the MP412C is, I mean, it's still a bad car, man. I mean, it's bad isn't good, not bad isn't bad. I mean, the MP4 is is not slow. Um, it handles incredibly well. It rides nice. But the 720 is in a realm of its own. It's It's 780 horsepower at the flywheel, right at 700 at the wheels. The car's a little over 3,000 pounds. 
and it is it's a four liter twin turbo v8 and it is rapid i mean it's we pulled out a barber and pulled out onto the road in front of barber and we went down a little ways and i rolled into it i rolled into it once in third year went from third through about midway through fifth that that's stupid fast stupid fast stupid we got to the speed limit really fast let me let me rephrase that we got that's the speed limit really fast. Obviously, um, you weren't shifting at red line. You were shifting around 1,100, 1,200 RPM. I, I was shifting red line. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I rolled into it again in second gear and went second to the top of fourth. And then we went down a ways and we turned around and we passed this group of folks that were standing out in their driveway. There's probably like eight or ten people standing out in their driveway. And this is a silver 720S Spider. Had the top down. It was a nice day. Um, <laughs> we pass these folks and there's one guy and you see him like, just start losing his mind. And he's like, he's pointing at the car and you can see him going, Oh my God. Oh my God. So we went down probably a half mile from that house and we turned around and we were coming back. He literally jumped out of his shoes to try to run out to the road to take pictures. And I, I slowed down to like first gear speeds and laid into it and, it blurred my vision. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that fast. Um, and just, it's comfortable. It's a comfortable place to sit. It's a comfortable car to drive the suspension, even in track mode. I, I, I had it every from everything from comfort to sport to track, just to feel the difference. Even in track mode out on the road, it's compliant. It doesn't rattle your teeth. It's, you know, it hits a bump and just soaks it up. It actually, I think it rides nicer than my Alpha, which my Alpha rides really nice. <laughs> and I think it rides better than the Alpha. And it, it just, it was mind-blowing, dude. Like, from everything from the fit and finish to the, the scissor doors and the mechanism that the doors work with and all the Alcantara and the beautiful stitching in the interior and the dashboard and the seats and the steering wheel is just perfect. And I'm all torso. So I'm normally in a supercar. I'm, I'm normally looking through the top of the windscreen. And in this car, I could get low enough to where I was probably six inches or seven inches below that top of the windscreen. And I could actually, I had a really good sight picture out of the car and the best part of this whole thing is he offered to let me drive it on Barber the next time he takes it out for a track day. So um, stay tuned for a really cool Hoonigan-style video. Um, I can't wait to drive that thing on track. Cannot wait. Um, I'm going to go with one question, and then I'm going to make some comments about my feeling on the McLaren product. Um, he does buy track insurance, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah uh, yeah absolutely but i mean it's <clears throat> obviously when i take it on track i'm going to treat it as such and i'll take it on track and i will run my six or seven tenths i'm not even gonna approach ten tenths of that car I, there's no reason to um, let me ask you a question well on that thought, thought process okay you take it out and you run ten tenths What's it going to cost you? How many times do you think he's going to let you take it out on the track? I mean, you're going to get one shot at it. What? What the heck? No, I'm, I'm, 
there's no like even when I was working for Porsche and SRT and and Abart and some of, some of the other brands that I've worked for over the years in a thrill ride situation or when someone's nice enough to throw me the keys to something on that level and I've been throwing the keys to just like you John I mean I, I know you've driven stuff that is well beyond yours and my station in life basically um, <clears throat> you have to have you just have to have respect for that and that's one of the reasons why this gentleman is going to allow me to take it on track is he knows that I'm not going to go out there and go into 10 tenths full race mode with it. I just, there's no way I'd do that. Um, and there's no, there's no reason to, there's just, there's no, like I can, I can, we can get everything that we need to get out of that test and not have to even approach throwing the thing off. And the cool thing about those cars is, Almost all modern day supercars, hypercars, even you know just lesser high performance cars, you can leave a certain level of traction control, stability control, in any other excuse me, any other things that that car has as a part of its its vehicle dynamics package. You can leave those things on and still get the car to rotate, set. Uh, come off, come into, come off the corner as every bit as good and as fast as if you had all that out of the way. It, they will allow you to drive the car up to 10 tenths as long as you're not doing anything wrong. You know, as, as long as you're not going in and, and inducing terminal oversteer or terminal understeer, or, you know, as long as you don't get it completely wrong, you can leave those training wheels in place. And literally get the same lap times out of a modern Porsche, that McLaren, Ferraris, Lamborghinis. Um, there's no reason to turn that off. And when I was doing the the stuff for the exotic experiences that I've done and and you know test driving stuff that I've gotten to test over the years for various publications, and I never turned it off. Like I'll put it in track mode or sport mode. When I was working with Porsche Sport Plus. Put in Sport Plus, but don't turn TC off. There's no reason to. Um, there's no reason to unless unless you really want to do get it sideways. You know, unless unless you're in a situation where, like, we did some some drift uh, some drift stuff for Porsche, and I did some drift stuff for uh, for FCA, and then obviously you have to get the, the TC out of the way to do that. But it's in a controlled environment, and you know you're you're out there shredding tires because that's what people want. In, in certain circumstances, but I've, I've gone on long enough. I think about that. I just can't wait to get the car out on track. I'm, I am humbled that he is comfortable with putting me in the driver's seat and let me drive that car. Cause it is very, very special. Yeah. And I, um, that, that's kind of, I can't remember how I bumped across the fact that he, you know, had that car. It's something that I just missed on my radar. You know, <laughs> you know just got so many people with 720s as his friends. <laughs> yeah. First world friendships. The but, cool thing, the other cool thing about it is, he's driving it. He's he's already got six thousand miles on it. Well, he, he's driving not, it. He got it for free, but at least he's using it. But, but what? Then that's kind of where I was going. Is you and I have a mutual friend that I know he's already let take it out on the track for for a yeah. drive. Yeah, so, I mean he he's he's sharing it, and um, I don't know too much personal about him. I'll say that 
I'm assuming he's not at a station in life that would normally allow him to afford a 720S. Uh, and he's being generous with the people that are his friends and not being arrogant about it and letting them get to partake in a little bit of his good fortune. And he absolutely again, is. And he's just a really, really nice guy. And I'm, I'm not going to pretend to have any clue whether... You know, he would have gone out and bought one. I, I, I don't have any idea where, where you know. But he, he I, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna speculate as to that. But to, to me, he he's is, the epitome of a car guy. I mean, he's, he's got it. It's cool, cool, and he, he's, he's doing it for you know, he's being generous with it. And I, yeah, I, absolutely. I, would, I mean, I, he told me that there's a very small list of people that he would trust with it. But for those people, he's allowing them to, to experience it and. That's amazing. That's it's totally amazing because I know a lot of people that would have that car and they'd be like, "No, <laughs> no one drives this car but me," and it's it's pretty incredible. I had a you know a conversation with an organization today, and we were talking about car people and um, events that could be done around car people and the generosity of car people, and it's amazing that when you have some fundraisers and fun drives that you'll there'll be around a car show or cars will be invited to that show. And yeah, the owners may or may not make a contribution to the charity, but there it goes back to kind of my thing about a car, some car shows, the owners are making the investment. They've spent the quarter million dollars or they've taken the time out of their day or they've spent years restoring whatever and they're bringing that out and allowing the charity to use that to publicize the charity and get other people uh, to come and donate money and support the, the charities. And, and it's just it's why we do the podcast. It's why I've probably built my life around cars and still still do uh, and haven't left that industry. I mean, every now and then I look at, uh, you know, want ads and. I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago about a job I passed up on, and he told me what he made in the last, literally a month ago, I interviewed for the job, and I I, be- I just decided, no, I didn't want to do that. And so I never completed the interviewing process, but I was getting along in it, and then I found out how much he made last year <laughs> as he's developed <laughs> that territory. And I go, you know, maybe I could have sold out for that, <laughs> but I, I'm really, I, I wouldn't have the opportunities I do today. So I... You know, like I say, I uh, when we get into this, you know, you get into car restoration or a, a lot of these uh, car hobbies, you're not going to become rich money-wise, but it's the wealth of your friendships and the you know the community relations. And I mean, some some do find a way to become rich, but I have stuck with it just because. And I think you have too, John. It, I love it. I just, I love it. It's it. I got to a point like when I was younger, I got a job with Roush Performance, and this that's the only job that I ever had that I felt took some of the joy out of me wanting to go out and and just play with cars when I was off. Every other job that I've ever had in the automotive industry just made me want to get out and play with cars more. And I don't know whether it was, you know, just a mindset that I had at that age or or just where I was in life at that particular time or what, but 
I got to a point where I was like, I don't really want to play with cars anymore. And luckily I got away from it um, and, and got back into it. But um, I kind of got to that point 10 years ago, 12 years ago in the game. And I, I got out of the car life. And of course I landed a pretty cool job (laughs) in the intern. And then uh, I decided I wanted to get back into it and landed a pretty cool job. Uh, And, you know, spent, plenty of time with barbers i got out of it and developing my business and this new company that you know technically i work for uh still do my business on the side but that was part of the agreement is i would push my business off to the side and really give a go at developing this new project and we'll get the owner of the business on here in a couple of weeks and you'll probably hear me talk more and more about it uh there's a topic i want to bring up on the show and i don't know how uh and it's strictly because I I want the research and I want the feedback. Is it Ital- is it Italian? Because uh, you can't really talk well about that. So. <laughs> no, uh, I'm trying oh, to okay. think right now. I don't think we. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, yep, we do have Italian cars already on under contract. Okay. So there you go. But but it it's it's fun. It's great. Uh, there are times you know I don't have a personal toy car really in my collection. I've got the '62 Chrysler, which I I've decided to part ways with because I'm never going to put the money into it to make it a functional vehicle. So, if anybody out there wants a, a seventeen thousand mile all original Chrysler Newport '62 Newport, I've seen it. It's actually a really cool car. Um, that they want, I think it would make a really good, you know, put it on some air ride with some cool wheels and pretty much leave everything else alone. Uh, it'd probably make a pretty cool car. Like I said, I just, I just decided I, I think I, 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 it's not, it's not me. And what right. really got me thinking about it is uh, a couple months ago on Facebook Marketplace, there was a Porsche Boxster. And the I know what the guy's asking price was, and he was willing to trade for '60s American a '60s American car that needed work. And his number on the Boxster, and that it was a 986 generation Boxster, so we weren't talking a brand, you know, an eighty thousand dollar Boxster. Uh, I'm going, you know, I'd probably be willing to trade that and take the risk of the uh, IMS bearing and such and get back into because i'm a sports car guy i'm not a four-door sedan guy other than my daily driver which only you know i only hope to have 18 or 24 months so you're right though that chrysler on some air ride and some detroit steel wheels would look really cool it just make a cool cruiser yeah i saw like a 61 new yorker done that way and will and i talked about it it was you know it was visiting will at um the ohio street rod nats or something like that and saw that 61 and we talked about it but you know to do it and do it right and you know the thing needs to be running again so we probably figured 12 or 15 thousand dollars into it and for 12 or 15 thousand bucks i'd rather have a 986 or a 987 boxster and a miata or um another lowered truck and a crx you know I, I, so. the the miata that that i posted last week that you chimed in on that said I needed to uh I needed to tag the the folks that make the body kit that was on it. Yeah. Which I I did tag them but I can't remember the name of that company. Do you know what those things cost? 
No. Uh, God, they're it's beautiful. Every it's, it's a company called. He's talking. Uh, some of our listeners might know it. Simpson Designs. They've done cars for our Miata rebodies for years. Good lord! For a period of time, they offered three kits that kind of were reminiscent of a Ferrari, and what Sean's referring to, and I can't. I think it was actually I did put it on no driving gloves. It was a Miata done with the Simpson kit that resembled a Ferrari GTO, uh, the old classic '62 250 GTO. But he went further, and it's a miniature 250 GTO. It's yeah, it's absolutely got wire gorgeous. wheels with knockoffs, but, and, but it's it's on a Miata chassis. I, I, I had a conversation earlier tonight with a, a good kit car friend of mine. We're talking about some things that I'm sure you'll hear about on, on this podcast. But that's the new level of replicars, kit cars, the upper five-figure, six-figure um works That's, are they really there's really yeah. six figure cars yeah everyone's oh, hand built really? everyone's done with metal that's okay. there's hardly any fiberglass done on that car oh well um, that's thrown out the window then <laughs> i mean you're, you're just gonna have to go with the old uh velarosa kit or whatever that was on the 240 or 260z no, i don't want to do that <laughs> That was, it's just a gorgeous car and it would make, like, it'd make a really cool. Did, did you Google the company I told you? Google Simpson Design when we got I didn't off the Google air. them. No, I just tagged them. You'll die over some of the stuff they've done in the past. And um, at some point, kind of at some point, and maybe I'll do it this week, I'll reach out to Jim and see if we can get him on the podcast and talk about a, a lot of what he does. He, you know, he does. I'd love to talk to him. I mean, um, he's obviously built some beautiful stuff he posted a picture on his personal page a day or two ago from like 10 or 12 years ago of some 60s alpha that he used he you know he he used to own and it's the guy the guy obviously has money somewhere he's a professional artist and professional designer but he um um he he has some taste in cars Anybody that can take an NB Miata, leave the doors, Miata, the, the Miata doors intact, and come up with a body kit that takes that door and blends it into a Ferrari 250 GTO esque scaled down version of, of the Ferrari, he is. is Got a pretty damn good eye. <laughs> the, the, the pictures he put up 25 minutes ago are of his uh, Italia GTO or Italia 2 GTO convertible, and they're fiberglass panels. So this thing might be uh, affordable. I'll try to reach out to him. What's the name again? Well, Jim Simpson, but you've got to be friends with him on Facebook. Uh, this is his uh, personal page. Ooh. Um. You probably is. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm. Tr- uh, he, it was his old Alpha 2600 Zagato to give you an idea okay. of what a Zagato SZ, and I mean, just absolutely gorgeous car. And yeah, he just loves this Italian stuff, and um, can't go too far because this is his personal page. But gotcha. Um, he's. Uh, some of the stuff he's built in the past, he's got a Miata rebody that looks like a 246 Dino. Um, 
he's got a couple that are his own thing. Uh, it's just uh, it made me happy. I know that. That's the one I shared on on. Can I say zero to sixty? I'm gonna say zero to sixty. Okay. I already said it. Yeah. Um, the, one, the one I shared over there, it's it's uh, it's just pretty, man. It's just really pretty. And the the one I shared, I think it's got it might have a gremlin. In, I don't know if it's a gremlin or if it's a lotus in the background. The lotus that you like. I believe it had a lotus in the background. I just went by the picture. Lotus Elite. Is that what it is? Uh, what are the... I believe this picture has the lotus. I think it's an Elite. No, that that's. That's his uh, 75 Skyline. Oh, that's a Skyline. <laughs> yeah. It has a very Gremlin-like side glass. Oh, never mind. I see the I see the Fender mirrors now. Well, you can do that on a, a Lotus, too. But, yeah, that, yeah, that, that that's that a Skyline. Didn't... You were th- yeah, The back true. is very Gremlin Lotus uh, 501, 502 Elite. Yeah, but, but it's got Fender mirrors. And I'm, it's got I'm, headlights I'm, and the Lotus wow. wedges and has pop-ups. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Hey, that, that's, you know, you know a couple of cars that I don't. I know a lot of cars that you don't. How dare you? Um, no, it's just, I I know we were talking before we went on air tonight, we were talking a little bit about kit cars, and that is the kit car that I've seen lately that just blew my mind. Um, and I've there's been several kits over the years that, I've always thought would make cool toys and coming at it from like a, from an autocross perspective, that would make a cool autocross car. If it wasn't a six figure car, like if it, if it was a $25,000 car to build, then I could see building one of those. Uh, if you, if you get out there and you Google a little bit about uh, Miata kits or my Miata rebodies, there's a lot of them that are available in Japan that are yeah. just, over-the-top phenomenal. And why we can't get them here, I don't know. Maybe you and I should put 50 grand together and <laughs> start I mean, importing if these if things. It's a kit, why would we not be able to get it here? It's a kit. Because... If, I, I, if Noble I, can bring in the M400 and Rossian take that over as a kit, why the heck couldn't we just bolt some panels on a Miata and be done with it? I mean, it's because it's it's the logistics and the people. It's it's the initial investment. The company first, you got to get the company convinced you've got enough money to market the stuff properly, and that's why I said, "Oh, you're talking got, about bringing it in for resale." I'm talking about just building one. Um, you just got to have a friend in Japan, right? And unfortunately, my ex girlfriend's sisters husband took a job in hawaii as opposed to japan or otherwise i, I have a couple friends in japan what do you want to buy well actually um i i, I and i used ex-girlfriend there but i would just just realized that um zara's uncle's daughter lives in japan i know does he live in hawaii it might be hawaii everybody lives in hawaii, hawaii why can't they go all the way how are you getting hawaii and japan confused i do that i mean i can't speak italian either uh, well yeah, I can see where those those mesh perfectly. Well, as we were talking kit cars in the uh, um, pre-show, I'm sending uh, Mr. Yoder something. Hopefully he's got a Facebook window open. I do. Don't bring this up on the show, but take a look at what I'm sending you, and this is how the world of irony. Um, 
Are you uh, kidding? <laughs> but for some reason, we were ch- chatting kit cars before the show, and I was talking about a couple of conversations I had today, and Sean says, hey, you know, you can buy the the Cheetah Company, or one uh, the che- uh, the company that builds Cheetah replicars. And I thought, yeah, I, I, I kind of saw that. And um, there's a lot of things to say about buying a kit car company. Um, if you remember back right about the beginning of the year, and unfortunately we've had to take the episode down for certain reasons, but if you have it in your back catalog, and it was, um, I bought a car company, uh, it was re- released early January, uh, we interviewed a gentleman that was an investor in the Sterling Kit Car Company, and there's a, I don't want to go too far, but you know, there's a couple of reasons we had to take it down, and it's not that things have went horrible and the company's out of business and things, but we just, we were just asked it, yeah. The, the interview took place in July, and some things changed by January. But what, what, what was your feelings on this before I go and shoot down why this is a, a horrible idea? <laughs> feelings on the fact that you can buy all of Cheetah's tooling? Is that what, is that what you're asking me? Yes. Um, I don't know enough about the Cheetah and its, its history to know whether or, – or I don't even have any idea – how to place a valuation on it. All I know is from what I've seen, they're asking 200 grand to basically take over all of the molds and everything that they have that would allow you to recreate the classic cheetah. What I don't get, uh, before we started the show, I looked up cheetahs for sale and I have seen a low price of thirty-two thousand and some change, and a high price of six hundred seventy-five thousand dollars for just a single car. And I, I mean, are those cars really worth that kind of money? And if they are, I would think that two hundred grand for the entire company would be a bargain. But what's the market for something like a Cheetah? Was, and then what's the market for something like a Cheetah replica? Well, there's actually a lot of companies that built Cheetah replicas. This isn't the only one. And, you know, the 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 Drive article that this is on, and then there were some various Facebook pages, Unique Cars 2.0, uh, Fiberglass Kit Cars and Replicas, things like that, that were discussing the sale of this company. Um, I believe the Cheetah is about a half-million-dollar car or something, and Is the whole, whole idea, it was built by a guy named Bill Thomas originally in about 64, 65, with the full intention of taking down Carroll Shelby. I do remember that. And, and the driveline configuration is nuts. And he, he was going after Shelby, and he, you know, he was doing it on a shoestring budget. Unfortunately, he started a couple of years after Shelby, and Shelby had gained some power. And the story goes, and the reason, I, ironically, I know this is I listened to a podcast last week, Matt Farah, The Smoking Tire, and he was talking to somebody, and they covered a little bit of the history of the cheetah. That's why I know it so well right off the top of my head. It's all kind of familiar, and you know, I knew exactly what they were talking about on the podcast. And for those that don't know, think of a cheetah as a mid-year Corvette, about three-fifths, four-fifths scale, that's bobbed in the rear and bobbed in the front. <laughs> and that's... You literally sit between the rear tires. 
And if anybody saw the picture I put up on uh, Facebook this week of the drag, drag racer with the um, differential in a very precarious position on the gentleman, right. uh, you kind of do the same thing here with the transmission, except you're on top of the transmission as opposed to... It doesn't even have a drive shaft, does it? Like it, it literally yeah. goes from from. Yeah, he sat the the motor. The motor is sat so far back in the car. The um, the motor goes to a U joint, which go I think goes to like a two or three inch drive shaft, which goes to another U joint that allows the flexibility, or it's a single U joint. But basically, the transmission bolts to the differential. Um, That's so weird. So. That's so weird. It's it is a weird looking thing, man. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, I I know that front mid engine balance is actually really good when it comes to driving dynamics, but this is it's maybe it's maybe pushed the engine too far back into the. This jet. is literally when you say mid engine, you can't put a motor any more in the middle <laughs> of the car than what this guy did. Right. But then you have the driver and the transmission and the rear axle. And it's like all of the weight is in the back half of the car. Like it looks like the, the weight distribution front to rear would probably be like 70 rear 30 front. And I'm being gracious saying 30 front. There's no weight on the front end. None. No. And it, I mean, it, it supposedly was a success, reasonably successful car in that. But where I was going with Carol is uh, uh, Shelby went ahead and protested with the FIA and had them change their homologation rules and went from having to build like 20 or 25 cars to meet homologation to having to build 100 or 150 cars. And there was unfortunately no way um this could be done you know bill bill was going bill thomas was going to be unable to do this you know cheetah race cars or it was actually bill thomas race cars built the cheetah in anaheim california and it just it's kind of a, a cool car it's different but it's one of these weird things that i just you know I, what i can't say is i sent shauna picture of a cheetah and, and some you know background thing and it just happened to pop up today the cheetah happened to be talked about last week on a podcast that i listened to and, and then i happened to bring and, it up earlier and the molds happen to be or one of the cheetah replicar companies happens to be for sale right now and then sean happened to bring it up to me where i probably would have never brought it up to sean um it's it's this weird thing that happens to me in, in the world that <laughs> we, had we, we, we had to bring it up in the show somehow. Um, and who knows, you know, what will happen next when. Uh, um, it's just a weird looking thing. And, and speaking of this odd stuff to the right, I'm looking at a Barrett Jackson um, auction report from 2017 at Scottsdale where they had a no sale on a cheetah. <laughs> the, the column to the right, articles and news is uh, untamed Bronco supercharged. So, but this is a classic Bronco with tacked on fender flares. But it's, uh, you know, the, here we are back to the beginning of the show and I'm seeing stuff on a Bronco. <laughs> is is that where we should end? We've come full circle. And which is, if anybody's listening, no driving gloves. For, you know, more than probably 20 episodes, you know, most of our episodes somehow go full circle. That's 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 almost 
a little too good to be true. Uh, somebody's telling us to wrap it up, and I'm looking at my clock. We're at 59.42, so I'll babble a little bit here. We'll we, really go, we, we stretched that into an hour. We, we, got, we got an hour. We stretched nothing into an hour. Well, I th- I don't I honestly think there was some quality content in this show. I mean, yeah, we covered I Tesla. I didn't get too much into the new plant uh, that they're proposing uh, because I said I said when I uh, to the per- the journalists that posted it, I said, you know, there's an unused factory uh, in Spring Hill, Tennessee, old automotive factory. Really? Yeah. Where's Spring Hill? Just south of uh, Nashville. I used to live in Nashville, and I don't remember Spring Hill at all. I went and looked at a Lotus uh, a lease that was for sale there a couple of years ago, but they used to build a little plastic car there called the Saturn. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and why I, I thought that could be viable is Riven, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago on our uh, somehow the <laughs> shockingly we went off topic episode. Um, they bought the old Diamond Star plant in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, and. They retrofitted it for for modern electric truck production, and guess what Tesla wants to do? Put the Cybertruck in right. their new plant. Why not look at existing technology, unless, of course, they're and la- laundering money or something. Left over where they could build dent-resistant panels. <laughs> you know what? The, well, well, you know, why do they need dent-resistant panels? The thing's already bulletproof. Well, the the windows actually obviously aren't, but I heard um, I heard this morning and the podcast was a couple of weeks old. I was catching up. It was a car cast and I believe it was Matt DeAndrea and Alex Weaver from Edmonds hosting. There's so many different hosts on that podcast. It gets annoying. But <laughs> he said Hot Wheels has come out with a um, 164th Cybertruck and I haven't Googled or looked. But there's supposedly a limited edition one-tenth scale Cybertruck that comes with decals that you can apply to the windows that showed shattered glass. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, I'll say check out our Patreon. We're getting closer and closer to going video for you guys that want to join us on Wednesday nights. Um, I'm keeping it 8.30 to record. You almost just got me tonight. Uh, Will and Derek couldn't make it, but... We'll sit down about 8.30, you'll hear some of the pre-show chat, and then hear us actually record, and, you know, I don't edit out very much anymore, but you'll hear some of the flubs in that. So check out our Patreon, there is a link on the website, nodrivinggloves.com. Follow us definitely on Facebook, we're much more active there. I'm working on the Instagram and getting that much more active, and I'm trying to make that much more... The, the Facebook, we do a lot of cool memes, and I do some news postings. The, the Instagram, I'm trying to make more photographs and cool things like that from just the automotive world. But Facebook, Instagram, No Driving Gloves, NoDrivingGloves.com. Patreon, you can find us at No Driving Gloves. Uh, there is a Twitter, uh, No Driving Gloves Pod. But that's all the social media kind of stuff. You can find it all on the website. And... With that, um, I don't know if we have a Zamboni tonight because, I mean, it's getting warm and the ice is melting. Would a Zamboni have any effect on you being able to keep your eyes open while you're talking during the podcast? Oh, are now you picking on me like that? I, I like to talk with my hands and have my eyes closed. And it's that I'm going to be the entertainment of the. I mean, I sound very dry, especially with when I some of my more academic topics, but I'm very animated 
<laughs> I just spoke to a really good friend of mine for an hour online, and literally he never looked at me once. <laughs> well, I have, I look at my mic in front of me, and I have a monitor to the right and a monitor to the left, and the monitor to the right has all the information for the show on it. So, Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Thanks for having me on, John. I appreciate it. Yeah, no it's problem. I'll we'll probably have you next week. We'll talk to uh, Derek and Will and see if we can get them scheduled in. But we're working on going video, so we've got to have a standard time. So, Derek and Will, if you listen to this episode, we're we're shooting for probably 8.30s every Wednesday now. Uh, with that, I'm out of here. Later, man. <laughs>